You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. Joining me today is Shabu Matthew, VP of Product Management at Immutable, a leading Web3 company that enables anyone to create, trade, and play with digital assets on the Ethereum blockchain. Shabu is a seasoned product leader with over 20 years of experience in consumer internet, mobile gaming, and e-commerce. He has a proven record of building engaging and innovative products that delight users and drive growth across various platforms and markets. Previously at Electronic Arts, he launched and scaled the esports platform for some of the most popular gaming franchises, including FIFA, Madden, and Apex, to name a few. He kickstarted the freemium business at EA, mentored and led product managers across multiple studios, and provided analytic and monetization guidance for various products in development and live services. He has a strong background in product vision, strategy, market fit, user acquisition, retention, and monetization. Shabu started his career as a software engineer and is now passionate about leveraging Web3 technologies to create new global opportunities and experiences for gamers and creators. Today, I'm excited to be discussing his background and experience, and he is going to share his insights into how product people can break into product management. Welcome to the Product Edge, Shabu. Fantastic. Thank you, Jade, for having me. That was a uh... That was a great introduction. Very exciting background, Shabu. Um, I'm really keen to understand your experience and uh, and your background. So why don't we start by um, telling us a little bit about Immutable and your role there? Sure. So um, I have been working at Immutable for close to about 18 months now, and uh, uh, I am the VP of product in there. Uh, what Immutable is trying to do is to make it seamless to make and build a Web3 game. Making games is hard enough. Um, you really have to cater to the creativity and the fun. And, and also, at the end of the day, it's a business. And so you really need to figure out how does it make money and how do you actually uh, bring in users into the game. And so uh, Web3 adds in a lot of the additional complexity as you build these systems and uh, components on the chain. And what Immutable provides is these tools and services that make it seamless for anyone to come and build their game on the chain. Fantastic. Um, and your background is deep in the in the product space, as I as I mentioned, and especially within gaming. You started off your career, however, as a software engineer. How did you make the move into product management? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think starting off, I was a software engineer. Uh, working at a lot of financial companies, so American Express, Morgan Stanley. And uh, uh, when I started, I always wanted to just get deep into the technology. And so, uh, you know, I was a technical architect at one point. And uh, somewhere down the line, realized that, uh, uh, you know, why we build the software that we build really comes down from the business and really wanted to understand more on the business side of things. 
and uh, that led me to be more curious towards that side and uh, uh, and and I realized yes you know the business managers are eventually good product managers who understand uh, uh, both the engineering and also the business side of things and uh, decided to become a product manager. Fantastic. And having that um, deep background in, in gaming, was that a passion from, from a young age? Did you always want to get into, into the gaming space? I never realized or knew that there, I could be, uh, I could work in gaming and, uh, and make money. You know, I think uh, I've, seen, I've seen stories where, yes, people can eventually uh, work on a game, but you know, it, it's a it's a tough uh, business to be in. It's a very hit-driven business, and so not a lot of uh, sort of companies survive and games succeed. And uh, and so, really working on a, a a place where it's not only sustainable to continue playing, but also work towards a passion was something that I was always looking for. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, discovered uh, electronic arts and, uh, uh, and and joined the EA at that time was uh, uh, was mostly making premium titles like FIFA and Madden, where you know you you work on a title for close to about a year, you burn it on the disc, and then you give it as a as a game for sixty dollars a pop, and now it's eighty dollars, right, with all the Gen Five. Um, and so I was brought in to to kickstart the freemium practice, which is you give out the game for free and then you monetize the players as you go on. And uh, and so you build in systems, uh, you build in progressions, you begin a leveling curve and you know all these different criteria that make the game fun as you go along. And there's something to look, up, uh, look out for every single day that you come in. Um, and, and, and so my job at EA was to go from, like we, we launched one title and then like from title to title at different studios, uh, launching different products. And uh, yeah, I was at, uh, yeah, for close to about a decade, I want to say, before joining Immutable. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, so product management is a really popular craft at the moment with a lot of people wanting to move into product. It's um, the cool kid on the block, for want of a better phrase. But there sometimes is some confusion and, and misconception around what a product manager does and, and what fundamentally the role is. For you, what is product management about? Yeah, I mean, to me, at the at the root end of it, it comes down to answering the why, right? And and so as as engineers, as builders, and I am a builder. I always like to tinker things and build uh, build objects. Um, and so, the product manager, when he or she comes into the equation, is really evaluating and looking at why are we building this? How does it actually serve the end user? And if we build it, will they come? How much money will we make? Is it actually addressing the need, right? And so, like all of those questions are answered and brought. And so, what it really does is is it maximizes the probability of success of that product, uh, making it into a big hit, right? And and so, from day one, from when the idea is conceived, product manager is coming in and laying down all the assumptions, and then starting to test assumption after assumption, and you know. It's the riskiest assumptions test, right? And so you start off with that and like so slowly start uh, uh, making it much more dependable and you know and 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 a lot more assurance as the product goes live. Fantastic. And I love what you said that said there should be around as a builder, and obviously coming from an engineering background that that makes sense. Do you find sort of 
coming from the tech background yourself into business an easy transition or or was there some challenges that that you faced on the way? Um, not a lot of uh, challenges for me because I, I uh, well, I shouldn't say that because I think I was uh, I, I was very inclined towards the business side as well and uh, and so that came in. I want to say naturally for me, and so I was always looking at like you know the metrics and the numbers and all that. Um, but um, being yeah, being a product manager, you really need to balance both both the the building side, right, which is the engineering side, and also the business side, right, which is like yes, like what does it actually do? Who's the user? What is the user experience? And so you really need to like balance both ends of it. And uh, yeah, you can have people come from either end, right? So you can have a business person come in, learn more about technology and systems and how uh, functions work and work and, and sort of bridge that um, bridge these two worlds or from the builders and like sort of figure out how do you actually build a model and you know how do, you know if you build it and so so either way I think it it, it works well it's just like having uh, being a good ambassador either side is what makes a good product manager. I like that ambassador. I like it. As, as you and I have discussed, um, you know, my company, Middleton Executive, is a specialist recruitment agency dedicated to bring, building high-performing product teams across Australia. Typically, uh, over the last sort of seven, eight years, specialising in, in product management, I've really seen two camps of folk when hiring for product people. You know, one camp is a really strong advocate that that product people should really come from that dev or engineering background, especially in the startup space where teams may be a bit smaller. And then there's the other side that are really advocating that product people should really come from the business side. Well, what are your thoughts? I think it really comes down to where he or she is filling the gap, um, especially in the startup side. Um, usually I have seen, you know, maybe a founder is coming in, you know, with an idea. This is what I want to do, hires an engineer. And then so... And, and so here we have like an engineer who's the builder and then, you know, the, the, the idea person who's actually like, you know, like taking this idea to market. And so in that space, yeah, you really want someone, you know, to fill the gap. We, we need more builders sometimes, right? And so, but uh, it could also be that you have enough builders, but you don't have enough validation of those ideas in the market and you need like a lot of that. And so in that case, yeah, you really need, someone with good business skills who can understand the market, who can have a pulse on what's going on, who can really ensure that if you build, that users will come, it will be a success, right? And so to provide that validation and that confidence to get into when, when it actually gets into market. So the short answer is, I think there's no you know, sort of cookie cutter. It's like, it depends upon the gap and where you are able to fill in that gap. Yeah, great insights. And as I mentioned, you know, product management is a, is a hot role at the moment. A lot of people want to move into it, but it's rarely a role that um, people go into as at the start of their career. What roles or role do you think make a great stepping stone in, into product? I, I was in that camp, by the way. So I was I always wanted to be more technical, and so you know, eventually was a technical architect, and I wanted to understand like you know like how does how do you actually write more efficient code, maintainable code, um, how do you actually build scalable systems? In fact, in my family, my wife is still uh, you know a software engineer, and she continues to pursue that path, and uh, and so um, and, and and that's a fantastic career path and you know there's like great progression and you can continue on to become you know a CTO or like a you know a head of technology of a of a startup. Um, 
I think uh, if you are interested on the other side, on the business side, I think good areas to uh, evaluate are to look at, say, metrics and data, uh, also to look at user experience and uh, figure out like what does the user journey look like, figuring out problem statements and pain points of users as they go through the journey. Um, those are sort of the, you know, so sort of the business validation that you need, um, not to mention like competitive analysis, market review, like all of those are like good skills to possess to bridge the gap between sort of the engineering and the business side. Fantastic. And that um, leads me on nicely to, to my next question. You've obviously been involved in, in building product teams and, and scaling product teams. What are some of the core skills and experience that you really look for in product managers? And you mentioned some of them there. Yeah, I mean, I think those are obviously like very good skills and you can test those skills out, right? Whether someone is you know, data driven or, uh, you know, like how do you evaluate user experience? I would say at the heart of it, uh, good product managers have a very strong sense of agency. And what I mean by that is, you know, they're self-driven who are willing to sort of uh, uh, ask good questions and really tease out and not leave things to ambiguity and really are, are, are forcing the conversation to move to the next level, right? And so uh, inherently, it's a very cross-functional discipline, right? So you have, you end up speaking to the marketing team, to the business development team, to the law, you know, the, the, the law folks, uh, and and uh, and also to the engineering team where the bulk of time sometimes is spent. Uh, and 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 obviously the, the other big part is just you know the users itself, right? So like understanding and providing the voice of the user into into the experience. And so nobody tells you yes, go and do this and go and do that. And so it needs to come in from yourself and. And really good product managers who have like uh, sort of uh, expanded their role and had a good trajectory in my career that I've seen have had a strong sense of purpose, a strong sense of agency to drive and to uh, to make things happen. Absolutely, yeah. Having um, interviewed thousands of of product managers um, over my career and and placed hundreds into into businesses across Australia, I've seen a common pattern that really differentiates those high performing standout A players, so to speak. And it's definitely high agency and that sense of curiosity, um, yes. asking lots of questions, passionate that that quest for always asking questions, always learning, always knowing. Um, how do you how do people go about getting this experience? So if you're not in a product role and it does require so many skills and experience, um, if you are a software engineer and, and the core of your day is, is, is building, how do you get experience to the commercialization aspect that you mentioned or the marketing aspects, um, the, the go-to-market, the analysis side? How, how can people get that? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you my journey, but I think, and I have an opinion on like what the best uh, journey might typically be but so my journey was you know very much uh worked in technology and then for a short period of time i worked at a venture capital firm to like understand like the lay of the land and and, and from there i sort of pivoted and became a, a product person but uh, I, i've seen people who like decide to leave engineering and then like want to figure out their next role as a product person in my mind i think the best opportunities are usually internal where you actually see someone, you know, a product manager inside the company, go 
talk to him or her and figure out that what their role is and, and also just sh- shadow him or her for a short period of time uh figure out what what are some of the challenges that they're doing and see if there's something that you can take off his or her plate for uh a short period of time to see if uh, what they do and what you do you know sort of has uh, is relatively similar and, and and so that learning on the job is the best way to really uh, understand you know a, a day in the life of a product manager you can obviously do the flip switch and one fine day like sort of, you know like obviously get into a product role but uh, i see uh, the transition sometimes there can be a little bit more than uh, that seamless transition into product within the same company great great answer there and and you touched upon it there you know like learning on the job and and those internal opportunities shadowing somebody are are great things to do product can seem at times a little bit of a scrappy craft um and especially in in smaller businesses where maybe they don't have you know deep product practices or that mature product capability if i'm someone listening that wants to get that first opportunity in in product do you think sort of looking at the startup space where you are learning lots on the go is a good idea or are you leaning more towards perhaps looking at a corporate or a larger business that does have mature product capability um, and and can really teach those fundamentals got it yeah the short answer is both um i think you can become a product manager in either way and i'll tell you how both right so in the corporate landscape uh usually they are structured programs and so there's like a syllabus and there's like a list of things to do and um today we are going to learn about how to actually do an inter- and so there's like so many things and today we are going to learn about like metrics and also there like there's like st- you know a list of things that you can do and eventually at the end of it you like complete and then you look out for a role internally and then you get placed right and so that's like definitely a a, a path to pursue um the other part that you mentioned like you know in a in a startup or a scale up right is more where in t- any startup that you take right usually has more work to do than people available they're always uh, uh, sort of uh, extending beyond their reach so that they can grow and they can sort of uh, expand um, and so uh, there's always that leverage and so uh, having that sense of ownership like takes you a long way and and so in that space usually a lot of things that product management done yeah, does is not done by anybody right so it's just left there uh, for someone to come pick on and, and 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 execute and so if you can show the drive to actually go pick it down and like sort of uh, get some mentors or some help from inside the company to like yes is this actually am i headed in the right direction is this what i should be doing and provide some products around that that leads to a better outcome and you quickly morph into that role eventually and you 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 are writing your own job description and eventually become the product manager um and so there's a the pathway in the startup space too and uh, i also noticed like you know between the two i think usually uh, you know the the corporate space usually takes longer but it's much more like structured and like is, is there whereas uh, the startup space is much more messier and sometimes you might not get it in the first go but you know if you keep you know keep at it eventually you'll get what you want and you'll be able to like nail it i certainly agree with what you're saying there about in a startup 
you know, you're always learning and, and there's more to be done than, than people, you know, having come from a corporate recruitment background before starting my own business and since starting Middleton Exec, I've learned more in the last seven years than I have my whole combined and a uh, little bit chaotic at times and a little bit uh, crazy, but um, definitely fun and a steep learning. Okay, so one thing that you're really passionate about, Shabu, that, that you've mentioned is helping people break into product management. Um, what are your thoughts and what are your advice to help people do that? Um, I think, I think it, you mentioned earlier, like some of the things that you need are like the curiosity and, and the, you know, I think we talked about the agency aspect as well. I think first and foremost, you need, you know, that needs to come from the person, right? Uh, he or she needs to have the drive to actually, yes, to get into the space and, uh, um, and, and, and so once you have that, it comes down to like bridging the gap. If someone is coming from the business side, understands how things are done, then it comes down to like, yeah, like what is a good place to understand systems? How do you understand technology? You know, we are doing this podcast right now. How does like voice transfer across the world from, across, you know, like how does HTTP work? How, like, like all of these, um, you, you don't necessarily need to learn programming which sometimes is like always oh you need to like no no you don't need but you need definitely need to understand technology systems how they interact with each other and also the behavior and the pros and cons of different systems uh, so you can intelligently represent the other person like the technology person when he or she is not in the room right and so that's what you really need so you're able to bridge that gap between the two worlds Amazing. That's a really great insight. And I'm laughing at just saying that because, yeah, you're saying we're on this podcast. And I remember starting it during the, the lockdowns here in Australia. And uh, and I'm not a technical person um, and, and learning the software and troubleshooting it. I really felt like I was putting my own little product manager hat on and um, trying to under, yeah, yeah. understand it. Um, okay, so look, the, the rate of change is phenomenal across technology at the moment. You're obviously right on the cutting edge in the Web3 space. What are your sort of insights and thoughts around future skills? You know, one of the questions that we get asked every day from, from product folk is, what's coming next? What do I need to, to be doing? And a couple of years ago, it was it was data. I was telling everyone to really become data-driven and, you know, really nail that. And, and that's that's expected now in every product manager, in in my view. Um, but what what's coming next to give someone the competitive advantage? Yeah, um, I, I would say like it's always good to get into a blue ocean than an existing ocean because there are already a lot of people there and thought subject matter experts, right? And so um, and so sometimes it becomes like difficult to compete and like oh I already and so if you are getting into a new territory. Nobody knows the answer, and so then then uh, the amount of effort that you put in is directly proportional to the amount of insights that you get out of that, and so it it, it really becomes that. And so I, I've always, uh, since the beginning, have been looking out for these um, sort of uh, blue ocean or sort of new areas where uh, you can actually go and and figure out figure it out. That's how I joined sort of the freemium games. Freemium games were sort of new; nobody knew it. And, and so how do you create the playbook for a freemium title and sort of go put that in place? Um, since then, I sort of joined eSports for a while. eSports also was sort of, sort of new, like just, you know, there in small circles, but how do you actually make mass market? More recently now in sort of the Web3 games, it's also again a new space. And so 
uh, really going there and creating the playbook of what good looks like. And uh, uh, and so um, I would say that's that's like, uh, you know, a primary thesis that I would use to, you know, like a, a place to go. I, I think that like you can also look at broad level themes too. And uh, like, for example, you know, artificial intelligence and a lot of that is is very prevalent right now. You know, a few years ago, you know, people have said, yes, cloud computing or, and so, like all of those themes would eventually pan out and would be useful things and would become day-to-day -day table stakes, right? Which everybody needs. And so, um, I like having any sort of uh, insight or domain expertise in any of the up-and-coming uh, areas which have like huge um, tailwinds is going to be a good uh, sort of uh, investment in in what you want to do. Big. And um, obviously, you're building teams at Immutable um, across product. When you're hiring, do you look for people with domain experience, so Web3 experience specifically, or if you had someone that, you know, demonstrated all of the soft skills and, and really good industry experience, um, do, do, you, do you give them that opportunity to break into, into the Web3 space? Yeah, very good question. And like the, the ideal candidate has both. And so that's like an overhand. Yes, you need the person. But usually we have you know two types of candidates. So candidates, say, for example, who have very good, you know, product insight, you know, how do you actually build a good product, but don't have the domain expert, don't know anything about games, don't know anything about Web3. And then on the flip side, we sometimes get people who have uh, very good experience in gaming and have like lived in gaming throughout the, and so know the like know exactly when Mario Kart was launched and you know like like every single title right and so like really but don't have the soft skills or the product uh, skills that are needed to actually do the job and among these two buckets I would always go for the former because I have found that you know, like the soft skills and the drive, and like and and the, um, the the how do you, how to build a good product is more difficult to teach than to teach the domain. The domain is still easier. I think uh, uh, a lot of it can be taught much more faster than to teach like fundamental product management one on one. Absolutely, you know, you're either a high agency person typically, or, or or not, or you have that deep curiosity, and if you do have those soft skills coupled with good product foundations, then I'm I'm of the opinion that you you know you can pick up the discipline with the right hard work. It's not going to be easy, um, but if someone is really committed to it, then they can get up to speed pretty quickly. Um, okay, Shabu, you've had a really interesting career to date. What would be your greatest achievement? It's a good question, and thinking about this, and I I, I gave this a good thought, and you know I think and. Maybe it's just a point in time in my career trajectory. Uh, I've built a lot of different products at different companies now. And uh, the biggest thing that gives me satisfaction, and so, so I'm mostly into games, right? So I'm building, you know, before it was premium games and, you know, so esports and now also the three titles. And my, my biggest achievement I feel right now is to relate to my eight-year-old son when he comes back from school. And, and so it's a very meaningful conversation that I have. And uh, I hope I'm, you know, knock on wood that I'm able to sort of, you know, take this on for as long as I can. But uh, I find that really, you know, not many, uh, not many dads probably have, you know, 
exciting careers that they can sort of share and sort of you know sort of go along and uh, have good conversations as they as as they as they grow. And so I find that really uh, I, I take pride in in that and uh, yeah want to sort of continue that as long as I can. That's beautiful. And you did say that. Uh... That your little one said to you that I I want to build games like Daddy. So that must have been a really really proud moment. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I've just had my uh, my first little one, and that uh, yeah, they're they're definitely the conversations that that I look forward to. And um, on the on the flip side, Shabu, what's um what's been one of the biggest obstacles that you've had to overcome? I I would say uh, sort of regular product management uh, sort of one on ones, right? I think uh, early on in my product management. Uh, Track. I we, we built products at EA. Sometimes just didn't have the product market fit, and so we were, uh, which which goes down to like yes, we didn't just do enough discovery. Um, I'll give you the example. We you know at Electronic Arts, we had a World Series of Poker, so the brand for us, and so we went to make a poker game, and uh, we are trying to go head on with Zynga Poker, uh, which was the industry leader at the time. World Series of Poker, of course, a bigger brand. It's you know all over Las Vegas, and you know we have like a tournament every year, and so we thought, yes, we are going to let's sort of kill this, and like you know, no brainer. Um, worked with Apple. Apple featured us on the App Store, so it's like a huge success at launch day. But we didn't get any installs, right? So it it didn't like pan out as as much as we wanted, and uh, uh, we tried to uh, make that game work, uh, but. Uh, uh, after six months, we had sort of just shut it down, and so the 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 huge learning for us at that time was yes, really to do the discovery early on and to validate if it's transferable, right? So just because it's transferable in the real world may not be on the app store and the app world, and so how does it actually relate? And and so if we had done a little more sort of uh, discovery around that, I think we would have had better success once the product had launched. And so that was like something that uh, I learned early on to just have enough discovery. Um, another example that I would uh, sort of uh, share just in terms of learnings would be just, uh, uh, I, I think we, we, as human beings, we are so focused on failure and you know, to like sort of ensure that uh, our systems are, are, are in place that uh, we sometimes don't pay enough attention to be prepared for success. And the example there is, you know, we, we launched a title, Simpsons Tapped Out, huge success. Um, we, we were expecting, you know, around 100,000, 200,000 installs. We got like a million installs. And we got that every single day for like more, more than like 10 days in a row. And so uh, with that onflow of users who are coming in, our systems just couldn't handle the load. Um, and so we had to go back to the table to redesigned the architecture, which took about three to four months to, to, to build. Uh, and, and so, you know, it was, it was a suboptimal experience for our users, but uh, in retrospect, yes, we, we should have like planned for success as well, in addition to planning for failures. That's really interesting because yeah, there's obviously the trade-off, you know, building for scalability um has a as a cost and and um and going there. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of focus on on failure and, and learning and, and failing fast, but also prepare for success. That's a really um interesting story that you share. Shabu, you've been absolutely amazing to talk to you today. Thank you for sharing your insights and experience with us. How can we stay connected with you going forward? I think the best place to reach me would be on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where I'm available at uh, 
but uh, yeah, apart from that, uh, uh, thank you for having me in here. It was a fantastic experience talking to you and uh, uh, yeah, really looking forward to uh, seeing this uh, sometime later. Excellent. Shabu, you've been amazing. Thank you for coming on the Product Edge. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Product Edge brought to you by Middleton Executive. You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.